The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in Philadelphia, 10 a.m. in London. Here is your top five at five. Whatever happened to transitory, the Fed head now warning inflation may be here to stay. This as he and Treasury Secretary Yellen get set to testify on the Hill. Stock futures, they're taking a turn down. Bond yields and oil and gas prices continue to surge. A purge at the Federal Reserve. Two regional presidents stepping down in just 24 hours, all because of a stock trading scandal. Lining up for gas. The fuel crisis in England getting worse. More stations across the nation run out of gasoline. And Senate Republicans blocking a bill that tied government funding to debt limit suspension. All this as we head toward a potential government shutdown on Friday. It is Tuesday, September 28th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you for being with us on this very busy Tuesday. All right, let's get right to it and dive right in and check your Tuesday markets. Futures, they are down across the board. In fact, NASDAQ futures, big tech, could be a rough day. They're getting slammed. They're down, look at that, 182 points, double nominally the Dow futures. That is down over 1%. Wow, so big tech could have a rough day. It was a mixed trade on Monday. The Dow was up a touch. Fourth positive day in a row, but still on pace for its worst month since January. The Nasdaq down about a half a percent, along with the S&P 500, on pace for their worst months since October of last year. Now, all this is happening, this shift or rotation, whatever you want to call it, as the bond market keeps moving. The 10-year yield It keeps moving higher. It is at 1.54% this morning. That is the highest level since late June. The 30-year yield now at its highest level since mid-July. It's been a very rapid shift up in yields. As yields move up, it hurts technology stocks. But it does help small cap. Small cap stocks tend to benefit in a rising rate environment. The Russell 2000 up a very nice 1.5% on Monday. We are seeing the Russell 2000 there. We're going to wait and see what happens today. But that move dwarfed by maybe the story of the week so far. And that is the spike in energy costs, particularly natural gas. Natural gas soaring to its highest level in seven years. Demand from Europe is booming. Natural gas already up 52% this quarter. The best quarter since the third quarter of 2005. We're going to get more on the historic and potentially dangerous move in natural gas coming up in your RBI a bit later on in the show. It is not just natty gas. Oil on the move as well this morning. WTI and Brent both up another 1%. And look at that. Brent crude in Europe is now back above 80 bucks a barrel. 
That's its highest level since October of 2018. This coming after a note last week from Goldman Sachs saying that Brent could hit 90 by year's end, adding that so-called peak oil, a lot of people talking about it, Goldman says, "Uh uh-uh, unlikely to happen this decade. Oh, and by the way, they think that ConocoPhillips is a particularly good stock buy here on that move. More on energy prices in just a bit. As always, more on the markets and your money in moments. But right now, let's get to some key headlines, including more on the shocking resignations of two regional Fed presidents within just 24 hours, something we have never seen before. Here now with more on that and more is Silvana Hanal. Silvana, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Brian, that's right. So Dallas Federal Reserve President Robert Kaplan says he will step down from his post early, effective October 8th. This comes amid a controversy over stock market trades. Kaplan's early retirement announcement came just hours after Boston Fed President Eric Rosengren made a similar announcement. Rosengren, however, citing health problems for his early departure, though he was also involved in some questionable stock trades earlier this year as well. Goldman Sachs is cutting its forecast for China's economic growth this year to 7.8 percent year over year from a previous 8.2 percent. Economists at the bank note the country faces, quote, yet another growth shock in the form of constraints on energy consumption. The downgrade mirrors similar calls from Nomura and Fitch. And AMD CEO Lisa Su says the global chip shortage will become less severe in the back half of next year. Speaking at this year's code conference in Beverly Hills, Who added, chip makers are still catching up to demand following severe supply chain bottlenecks created by the the pandemic. But manufacturing plants that were planned last year will likely start producing chips in the coming months, which should help alleviate shortages. Brian? Well, certainly people hope that she is right because it has impacted everything from obviously high tech to cars to everything. A big story there. It's definitely. Silvana, we'll see you in a few minutes. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, truly a stunning development at the Federal Reserve and removing two, by the way, of the more hawkish members of the Fed. Well, speaking of the Fed, Chairman Jay Powell is set to tell Congress today that the current spike in inflation has proven to be longer lasting and bigger than previously expected. Powell is testifying with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen at a hearing on the government's financial response to the pandemic. In his prepared remarks, Powell says the unprecedented process of reopening the American economy has resulted in a number of problems, such as supply chain bottlenecks, as well as hiring difficulties. And he adds that if inflation does not ease, the Fed is ready to use its tools to lower the pressure on prices. Let's talk more now about this and the broader markets with Ben Emmons. He is Managing Director of Global Macro Strategy at Medley Global Advisors. Ben, a great day to have you on because you kind of look at the whole big picture. I mean, in coded language, is Jay Powell kind of suggesting that interest rate hikes could come sooner than the market expects? Morning, Brian. Yeah, I think the market's catching on to that. As you say, you know, he puts in that um, testimony, this word enduring, right? It, It lasts longer, these bottlenecks, and the market is connecting those bottlenecks with the pressures that we're seeing in energy and that leads to inflation. So that should translate then over time into rate hikes. So the yield on the Treasury this morning at 153 is not really the number we're going to be sitting at for a while. And we're going to likely move higher because 
If anything, it's also correlated what's going on in Europe, where, for example, in the UK, as you outlined in the segment, their gas line, uh, get big lines for gas stations where at least the shortages and UK inflation goes up. So UK rates move up much faster now and they're ready to hike. So I think this is this picture here. Rates are catching on to we're going to have to accept that inflation is higher and stickier. And this will be a key, uh, key part of this testimony. Yeah, and, and we're going to get a live report, by the way, on that gasoline problem in the UK in moments, Ben. But like the market is like kids at a party with a pinata. Someone hits the pinata, the candy falls out. No one wants to be the last kid to get the candy. You get all the worst stuff. The bond market is already moving, is it not? I mean, the bond market anticipating higher rates, that explains, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, the big shift we have seen in not only rates, but also maybe we can throw them up. One of the reasons why the NASDAQ futures are down 1.5%, double the nominal value of the Dow futures right now. That is a yield curve move. That is definitely a yield curve move. And I think it's two two things about that. You know, it is higher rates and uh, technology shares is what people mostly say that are long duration assets because, you know, tech shares don't pay any dividend or, or not as much. So they're sensitive to rates. But then there's also, I think, an ongoing rotation. People do realize that this is not a weak economy. We have inflation, but we have also a lot of demand out there. So you're going to get, again, a rotation here. And I noted that industrials or, or energy or financials are typically very do really well in, in a rising rate environment. Technology or utilities do not. So I think this rotation will continue and detract from technology and benefit the industrials as rates go up. So it's also a positive economic story, I think. But for technology today, yeah. it will probably be a tough day given where rates are. We've kind of got a triple play of crises going on right now. And I know the media overuses the term crisis all the time. It's become almost had no meaning, Ben. But I think you get my point, which is in the short term, you've got the debt ceiling fight and some of the congressional issues there, potential government shutdown, unlikely to happen, but it's still hanging out there. In a longer term, forget about gasoline the natural gas and potential energy crisis in Europe, and I use that word rightly because we could have blackouts and brownouts this winter, people unable to heat their homes. And the third part would be that's already occurring in China. We are seeing rolling blackouts because they simply don't have the power to power their entire economy. This is kind of a, a three-headed hydra, if you will, of uncertainty and volatility happening right now. Yeah, it's like a trifecta, right? It's just all merging together. And it was not foreseen, really. And I think a month ago or so, some pressure's building, but I think nobody really foresaw that as China put already curbs on its electricity use for carbon emission, and Europe faces these uh, dry spell in inventory, really low gas inventories, particularly coming out of Russia and also out of, the, out of Asia, with a lot of demand for gas on top. Yeah, we're merging into a situation where the spike in gas is really leading. That light leads to higher crude prices. You get some what they call fuel switching, so some product switching. But for the broad markets, it means simply, look, interest rates are going to have to reflect this higher energy component because it does push up inflation. And at the same time, it's also a function of the economy. And again, also Europe is, is not a weak economy at the moment. So it's all about party of strength and a world worry here this morning. 
Yeah, a lot of stuff, particularly energy on that wall of worry as well. Truly a remarkable move, Ben, by the NASDAQ futures down double on a nominative base. Yeah, <laughs> you get it. <laughs> In number, <laughs> it's early. Ben Emmons of Medley Global Advisors, look at that, down 177. Dow futures down just 79, more than double the move of the Dow, despite being a lot smaller. Ben, thank you very much. Renumerative, I think, was the word. Why am I trying to use like six-syllable words at 5, 10 in the morning? I'm going to keep it simple. All right, we are just getting started. And when we come back, we just touched on it. England's gasoline crunch hitting a fever pitch. We are live in London with more. Look at that. People resorting to panic buying. Plus, a CNBC exclusive. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo will join us live, laying out her economic agenda at home and abroad. And later, Ford shares popping as it looks to take on Tesla in its own game. Oh, and by the way, spend $11 billion on a big-time battery investment. We have got a big-time show ahead. We're back after this. We'll see you in two minutes. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let us go now to England, where panic buying of gasoline is leading to shortages at gas stations across the nation and long lines of cars at those still with gas to sell. But it's apparently not because of a shortage of gasoline itself. And now the army is being called in. Juliana Tattlebaum is live in West London, and she joins us now with more. Juliana, if it's not a shortage of, of gasoline, what is the problem? Well, Brian, that's absolutely right. This gasoline crisis is not about the gasoline itself. It's about a shortage of truck drivers. And we spent the morning, like many around the country, hunting for a gas station that actually had fuel in the tanks to show you what the queues looked like. The best we could do, the station behind us, which had fuel for about a half an hour this morning. And as you can see, the ropes are up and they've run out. And this is the story for much of the UK. Yesterday, up to 90% of gasoline stations uh, in the busiest parts of the country had run out of fuel. In terms of the truck driver shortage, estimates suggest that the UK is short of about 100,000 truck drivers. And this doesn't affect just the gas, uh, just the, the petrol sector. It's affected many parts of the economy. But of course, when it comes to gas, uh, it has triggered panic buying with people coming out and filling up when they otherwise wouldn't have. So the government has come out and said that they have taken steps to prepare the army to step in military tank drivers getting trained now to be able to drive from the refineries from the terminals to the gas stations with the gas to get it to the people at this point not necessary but they're standing by brian 
Yeah, truly remarkable there. I mean, and and the government is saying, please do not panic buy, but people are going to do what's best in their own best interest. We see it here. Uh, Human behavior is kind of around the world. Has it impacted prices? Now, I'm going to try to do conversion on the air, Juliana. Don't hold me to this. You guys price it per liter, which roughly, what, four (laughs) liters per gallon? What is the price in pounds of a liter of gasoline at the station you're at? Can you, can you see or tell us? Brian, they've actually taken down the pricing at all the stations that we've gone to because they simply want to tell drivers, keep going, keep moving. But the price of gasoline has been rising, and that's for sure. But at this point, the sentiment is people will buy it at whatever cost it it comes at because they just want gasoline. They're literally hunting for it. And there's there's a lot of activity behind me we can't see, but let me tell you, they've literally taken down pricing. Signs just say, sorry, we're closed. We don't have any more fuel. Wow, taking down the pricing, I guess to your point, the idea is that, hey, if you can't afford it, don't pull up even if we have it as well. Uh, <laughs> truly a remarkable story. Uh, everybody staying calm, right? Keep calm and carry on or keep calm and fill up. I mean, back in the 80s, my dad owned a gas station in L.A. And, you know, you'd have fist fights would break out during the gas crunch. I was like nine years old, like trying to break up fights among adults, get punched in the nose. <laughs> uh, everybody staying cool. Uh, I think there's definitely a frustration in the air. And when this gas station behind me did have gas earlier today, the queues, the lines of cars were building up on both sides. And you saw cars cutting in in front of each other. And tension certainly high, people trying to get whatever gas they could. We had a chance to speak to a home care worker earlier who said that she's resorted to walking to work because all the gas stations around her were empty. So there's mounting pressure on the government to prioritize those essential workers. and so there certainly is a frustration, there's tension, there's concern, but there are signs that the situation is easing now that a lot more people than normally would have have filled up their tanks. For now, at least, we showed that video, that line going all the way down the block earlier as well. There's no line now because there's no gas. Don't line up for something that's not there. Exactly. Juliana Tattlebaum, <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. A stunning situation there in the U.K., well, the trucker shortage not only having an impact on gasoline supplies across England, but it is now creating bottlenecks at the country's busiest ports. Joining us now is Richard Ballantyne. He is chief executive of the British Ports Association. Uh, Richard, thank you. We have reported, I have reported from the ports uh, of Charleston, South Carolina. We talk all kinds of time about supply chain bottlenecks here in the States. What is the status of the busiest ports in the UK right now? Well, good morning, Brian. And first thing I'm going to say is I don't believe you were nine in the 1980s. You look far too young for that. But uh, it's great to be with you and uh, <laughs> great you. your viewers across the across the US. Yes, uh, it's probably a few Americans waking up today thinking, what on earth is Britain doing uh, in this situation? And it all comes back, as you rightly said in your report there, it comes back to a lack of haulage, which is caused by a number of things, not least Brexit. So the UK's departure from the EU last year has led to a lot of European nationals who were based in the UK driving uh, for heavy goods vehicles, for trucks, etc., those companies. They've actually gone back to Europe in the last few months. And coupled with um, a bit of a crisis last year during the pandemic where uh, lockdowns meant that HGV, that's heavy goods vehicles, tests uh, were not allowed to take place. So drivers and truckers weren't allowed to sit tests. 
we have seen a complete slowdown. And I think you're absolutely right in saying 100,000 um, shortage on lorry drivers has resulted in a lot of these issues we're seeing at uh, gas station forecourts and across the sector. Is there any sign, Richard, of that truck driver shortage easing? Well, it's it's a big process. I have to say 100,000 shortage in in a relatively um, uh, small country like the UK is quite a sizable amount. And the government has announced a series of measures uh, over the weekend, actually, including our armed forces getting involved temporarily, but also uh, fast tracking tests and uh, new immigration status for uh, international drivers who want to come to the UK. So um, I can't see it being solved overnight, but the UK government and industry are working on this now. And you guys rely so much on imports for everything from food to fuel to raw materials. You can get them to the ports, but if you can't get them from the ports to the plants or to the stores, it doesn't really matter. And Richard, I should have said I was nine in 1980, not the 80s. I want to be clear. I've got a five handle my age now. Richard Ballantyne, we appreciate you coming on. An important story. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. All right, cheers. All right, on deck. This morning's big money movers, including a billion-dollar deal for some hot gambling technology that is one stock surging to all-time highs. Who is the name? Well, you got to stay tuned to find out. Dow futures down 77, but NASDAQ futures down nearly 200. We're back after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, it's time now for your big money movers. And today it is four key stocks to watch. Let's go. First up is Sunak. Who? Right. It's a China-based real estate developer. Shares are rebounding off a recent loss for the company saying it did not submit a document that's going around online saying it's facing liquidity issues. The Hong Kong listed company denies it asked the government for help and is buying back more than 30 million of its own bonds. Stock two. Endeavor Group. It is buying the sports betting business from OpenBet from Scientific Games for $1.2 billion. It already owns the UFC and EuroLeague basketball, and it says the deal will strengthen its position in sports betting. By the way, shares of Scientific Games, they have already doubled this year. You go, Vegas. Stock number three, Huntsman Hedge Fund Starboard Value has bought a more than 8% stake in the chemical company and plans to push for more changes. And stock number four is Merck. The Wall Street Journal reporting it is in advance talks to buy Acceleron Pharma, which has a market cap of about $11 billion. Shares of Acceleron, ticker XLRN, as you might imagine, are up on that report. We are back on WEX right after this.
All right, welcome or welcome back. Hope you're having a good Tuesday morning. It's 529 on the East Coast. Should be another beautiful day in the New York area. Not sure it's going to be so beautiful in the stock market. Let's get right now to your money because it could be another day of rotation for the markets. Futures, they are down across the board. Not a huge move down for Dow futures or S&P. In fact, the Dow did rise fractionally yesterday. But the story to watch is technology. NASDAQ futures getting hit particularly hard. They're down nearly 2%. In fact, on a number basis, down more than the Dow, which is far larger. Big tech selling off amid some big moves in bonds. Bond yields, they have spiked in the last couple of days. They are now back above 1.5%. While you probably are not a bond market trader is my guess, you might own a home or want to buy one or refi. Watch mortgage and refinancing rates. They should start to move higher on this news as well. It is not just yields. Oil and energy prices also spiking. Brent crude, what they trade in Europe, now back above 80 bucks. Its highest level since October of 2018. WTI, what we trade here in the States, that is the highest since July and closing in on a high for the year. Goes up another buck and a half. It will be the high point for the year. All this, as the Fed Chair Jay Powell and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen are set to take to Capitol Hill today. Now, Powell, in prepared remarks, saying the current spike in inflation is proving, shocking, to be larger and longer lasting than expected. In other words, it might not be as transitory as he and other members of the Fed had originally believed it would be. All right, we'll get more on that in a minute, but now to some of this morning's other top stories, including the race by lawmakers to fund the government hitting its first blockade. Silvana's back now with that. Silvana. All right, Brian. So it's back to the drawing board for Senate Democrats after their efforts to pass a bill to both fund the government and raise the debt ceiling failed. Republicans in that chamber blocking the House-backed bill, refusing to support the debt limit increase. Congress has until Friday to pass a bill to avoid a shutdown and need to suspend or increase the debt limit in the coming weeks to prevent a default. Former PepsiCo CEO Indra Nui is speaking out on corporate leaders taking a stand when it comes to political issues. Nui, who is promoting her new book, discussed the difficulties CEOs face on the matter. It's hard for corporate leaders when they do speak up, stop criticizing them because they're not speaking up just for the sake of speaking up. They're speaking up because they want the whole country to be open to them to do business. They don't want their employees to feel excluded from any part of the country because of their gender or their behaviors or whatever. They just want to be considered equal citizens of the country everywhere. And you can catch more of that conversation today at 3 p.m. on Closing Bell. And shares of Ford are higher after it and battery supplier SK Innovation plan to invest nearly $11.5 billion in new U.S. facilities. The investment includes two lithium-ion battery plants in central Kentucky and a 3,600-acre campus in Tennessee. The investment is expected to create nearly 11,000 jobs to produce electric vehicles and batteries, and the latest effort by CEO Jim Jim Farley to increase development and production of electric vehicles. You can catch Ford's CEO on CNBC Live at 8 Eastern. Brian? A lot of things to catch today. Silvana, thank you very much. You got it. All right, well, let's catch some opportunity because here on WEX, we are all about opportunity in one area providing plenty of that. 
has been consumer discretionary lately. That is the ETF that tracks the group up more than 15% so far this year. For more, let's go to Dom Chu for the latest look at, let's bring it back, Dom, sectornomics and consumer <laughs> discretionary. Everybody's buying everything all the time. What can you tell us? So people are spending, and for a U.S. economy, Brian, that's two-thirds driven by consumer spending. That sector is a huge focus for many investors. But like you said, even with that 15% gain so far this year, it is underperforming the overall market because the broader S&P 500 is up roughly 18% in that time. And as you can see, on or about the summer, May, June, is when that outperformance for the market versus the consumer discretionary sector really picked up. Now, when it comes to the fourth quarter, what can you expect? Well, the fourth quarter is seasonably a strong time for the overall markets, at least for the last 10 years. It's been up nine of them, by the way. The consumer discretionary sector does tend to mirror that a little bit more. And by the way, you look at nine out of 10 years, the consumer discretionary sector has been higher in the fourth quarter. Same for the overall market. And by the way, the performance on an average basis is almost identical, about 4.6% upside during the fourth quarter for both the sector and the market overall. So something to keep an eye on. And then as for the best and worst performers so far this year, just take a look at the names. You mentioned Ford before. Well, Ford is one of the best performing consumer discretionary stocks so far this year. Bath and Body Works, the best performer, up about 128 percent. And casino operator Caesars Entertainment up about 57 percent. Meanwhile, VF Corporation, Wind Resorts and Sands, the worst performers there. Check out more of our coverage on the consumer discretionary sector for the rest of this day. Brian, back over to you. So I'm trying, Dom, I'm looking at that and I'm trying to understand. By the way, I'm going to be in Vegas in a couple of days. You got a couple of the, the China based you know, Win and Sands, that's more of a Macau play. Caesars, more of a Vegas play. So it looks to me, and please, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, my friend, that the sort of the domestic economy plays, even inside specific sectors, are looking better than those with maybe China or other international exposures. Well, and it's not just that. The consumer discretionary sector of today, much different than it was 10 years ago, because the two biggest players in that consumer discretionary sector, by the way, you and I both know this, Amazon, which you don't think of as a traditional retailer as much these days as a cloud computing company, and then Tesla and electric vehicle manufacturing. So those two very much override. They're nearly 40% of the overall index. So when we talk about the way that these things perform from an index level, it's very much driven by a couple of those bigger names and not as much, say, a win or a Las Vegas Sands or maybe, in this case, a Caesars on the upside as well. All right, really interesting swap there. Look at Caesars, win and Sands. I mean, just two different directions as well. I'm going to put it all on double zero for you this weekend, my friend. Dom Chu, thank <laughs> <Good> you. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Putting everything in the house. All right, speaking of consumer discretionary, let us kick off the next leg of our Go Big or Go Home series with Fairlead Strategies founder and managing partner Katie Stockton. And she's got a bunch of picks, but one of those is directly tied to consumer spending Power, Katie, great to have you back on. Great to have you on the special series. Who is this consumer discretionary pick? You know, it's actually more of a staples play, I would say, but Conagra Brands, which is ticker CAG. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, to me, it's an interesting play in what has proven to be a weaker tape, right? We want to find some defensive exposure in this kind of market 
which arguably could consolidate for another few weeks, right? We have Conagra having cleared its 50-day moving average yesterday after having seen a very significant corrective phase. And with that corrective phase, it, of course, underperformed the S&P 500. And what tends to happen in these weaker tapes is that you see rotation into the more oversold areas of the market and out of the more overbought areas of the market, which would probably most obviously be technology. See, you, you tricked me, Katie, because I know you also brought MA, MasterCard, so I thought the discretionary play was going to be more MasterCard because, trust me, I do not view food as discretionary, obviously, myself. <laughs> MasterCard, though, MA, is one you think is perhaps also a little oversold, correct? You know, it's funny because MasterCard does, uh, I guess, kind of cross over a couple of sectors. It's technically a technology stock, but it hasn't been acting like one very much lately. And it is coming off, as you mentioned, oversold levels, and that's on an intermediate term basis. When it corrected, I think it was down about 16% from its highs. It corrected far before the market started correcting this month, but it maintained its long-term uptrend. So we've been sort of negative on MasterCard and also Visa for some time. But just with the recent price action, we've seen renewed short-term momentum in an apparent reaction to those oversold readings. Yesterday, I believe it got of its 200-day moving average briefly. So that renewed momentum and also renewed relative strength suggests that we'll see a good retracement, if not a full retracement, of that corrective phase. So that might be one way to position here. Back in April, I was at a conference in Colorado. I did a one-on-one fireside chat. It was actually at lunch, so there wasn't a fire, Katie, and it was warm, with CEO Charlie Ergen of DISH. And we talked about all kinds of things, the regulatory environment. They're getting a big push into mobile, into cell phones. They're going to be one of the biggest cell phone operators in America, following some mergers that they are doing as well. Fundamentals aside, DISH stock hasn't done squat since April. It's down 20 bucks from its highs of a couple of years ago. What are you seeing in the charts about DISH that you like? The most important takeaway for DISH is that it's a long-term base breakout. You have to take a step back and kind of zoom out on the chart to see it. But on a monthly bar chart, you can see this great sort of rounded basing phase and a breakout from that base this year. It's since been range bound, as you mentioned, but it's held support within that range and now has renewed intermediate term momentum, suggesting that it will make a run at the next resistance level. I tried to choose stocks here that have more than 5% upside to resistance It's hard to find that right now because the market's been so strong, but these names stand out as potential ways to get exposure that looks a little bit different than the major indices, which may be under pressure. Good stuff there as part of our Go Big or Go Home series. You like ConAgra. We're talking food, how to pay for it, MasterCard. And while you're eating the TV dinner, you can watch shows on Dish as well. Somehow, Katie, it all came together. Thank you. There you go. Take care. There you go. Katie Stockton of Fairlead Strategies. Day two of week two of our special series. And by the way, do not miss the final two installments of our series. Tomorrow and Thursday, we got Kate Battis coming back, Rich Saperstein as well. Plus Friday, everybody's going to gather to debate where our four guests this week will discuss and maybe have to defend some of their picks as well. That's on Friday. All right, we are not done today. As we head to break, a reminder. 
are delivering Alpha Massive Virtual Conference is back tomorrow, September 29th. Unparalleled insight and investment strategies. And, and by the way, I'll be hosting a panel on inflation and more importantly, how it might move markets. We will speak with the Chief Investment Officer of the Employees Retirement System for Hawaii, Elizabeth Burton, and HPS Investment Partners, Pranima Puri as well, who actually used to work with Elizabeth. You can still register now at DeliveringAlpha.com. By the way, that panel is at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. We're back with the Commerce Secretary of the United States and Kayla Tausche right after this. All right, we have got a lot more to do coming up on Worldwide Exchange. We're going to talk about that. Look at that big move. Natural gas up again this morning. It is your morning RBI. We'll talk about Europe and some incredible moves there. John Nigerian is here. He'll break down gas prices as well as talk about some stock plays that may be based on this. Speaking of stocks, Dow futures, they're not down much. Down a buck ten. That's three-tenths of one percent. Look at big tech. As energy and bond yields move up, big tech could have a big-time rough day, down more than 1%. We're back right after this. All right, welcome or welcome back. And good Tuesday morning, 546 here on the East Coast. Well, today, Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo will lay out her agenda in a speech at the Economic Club of Washington, D.C. Kayla Tausche sat down with her in an exclusive interview to discuss that and so much more. And Kayla joins us now. Kayla, big interview. What did you guys talk about? Well, Brian, good morning. The role of the Department of Commerce traditionally has been to help U.S. businesses export their products around the world. But today, Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo will lay out an agenda focused on strengthening domestic manufacturing and incentivizing U.S. research and development. Plans, she says, will add $460 billion in growth and one and a half million jobs. The first order of business is to stabilize supply chains. After months of investigation, she says the pandemic is still to blame for these bottlenecks getting worse. We just shut down our economy. We came to a screeching halt overnight. And now you can't just flick a switch and expect the economy can be turned back on. There's disruption in the supply chain, in lumber, in building materials, in steel, in semiconductors, in, you know, across, across uh, industries in the economy. Uh, some of it will work its way out naturally. Others, uh, like with semiconductors, require investments. So we, quite simply, make chips in America again. And how can money fix it? We need to incentivize companies to build factories in America, to build manufacturing facilities in America. You've said aggressive action is needed to combat the chip shortage. What in your mind constitutes aggressive action that you can take? Investing the $52 billion as quickly, efficiently, and impactfully as possible. You know, we, um, we shouldn't be where we are. We took our eye off the ball. We watched manufacturing slowly move to Asia over time. And now we find ourselves in a, in a vulnerable position with no, no leading-edge chips being made in America. We have to make investments now so that never happens again. 
You've also said that you expect to use defensive tools like tariffs and export controls robustly. Um, what is your view on whether the administration should refine and reauthorize tariffs on Chinese goods being imported here? We need to make sure that China plays by the rules. You know, we, they, they are not living up to the agreements that they made. They are every day using all kinds of unfair um, tactics to, to stop American companies from accessing the Chinese market. They are, they are ripping off our IP. They are not playing by the rules. It's not a level playing field. And so we need to hold their feet to the fire um, to make sure that they do that. With export controls, this is an area where we really have to work with our allies. We have to work with our European allies to deny China the most advanced technology so that they can't catch up in critical areas like semiconductors. Secretary Raimondo says she's working to get China to live up to its agreements to purchase Boeing planes and other goods under the Phase 1 trade deal. And she looks forward to meeting her Chinese counterpart eventually. But today she'll head to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to negotiate with European Union officials on tech and trade, where President Trump's legacy tariffs loom large. I asked her, when could levies on European steel and aluminum be removed or at least adjusted? Our steel industry and our steel workers were greatly hurt by overcapacity of steel being dumped in America, mostly by China. So we're going to work as hard as we can to resolve 232, but we need to protect the steel industry in America, and we can't allow ourselves to be vulnerable to China dumping cheap steel into America or dumping it into Europe, which finds its way to America. Those negotiations are live this fall. We also discussed her views on regulating big tech platforms and what CEOs are telling her about the corporate tax rate and where it may land. We'll have that coming up on Squawk Box. Brian? Uh, great interview, Kayla. This show is seen live in China and a lot of tough talk in between the lines, as she said, about China as well. We'll look forward to the rest of it. Kayla Tausche, thank you. Well, today's RBI has to do with Europe's looming energy crisis. What's happening there is truly incredible and not in a good way. Prices for natural gas are through the roof, and that is not TV hyperbole. Look at this Bloomberg chart. It is priced in British pence, but don't worry, we can do the conversion for you. That is traded spot prices in the UK. It basically shows that spot contracts for natural gas are actually at around 25 or 26 U.S. dollars equivalent per contract. Keep it America. That same contract is just about $5.60, which, by the way, itself is a seven-year high. So in other words, spot-traded gas prices in Europe, not gasoline, natural gas, are about 350% higher than they are here. Just bonkers. The question is why? Well, there are a few reasons. Number one, you got lower supply from Russia. Also, wind energy, it's only producing about as half as much power as predicted. So they got to buy power to make electricity. Literally, the wind is not blowing in Italy and parts of the North Sea. Adding to the worries, about one-fourth of natural gas production in the U.S. is still offline due to Hurricane Ida, which is limited global supplies. Literally, maybe the perfect storm. So what does this all mean? 
It means that electricity prices in Europe are likely to soar. I mean, spike in a big way, especially if it's a colder than expected winter. Now, you may not care about the natural gas market, but think about the real world impact. Maybe your heating bill is usually, I don't know, 200 bucks a month. Suddenly, it goes to 500, 600, or 700. Or the grocery store paying 2,000 a month in heat is now seeing its bill go to five or $6,000. Oh, and nearly everything you buy probably has been touched at some point by natural gas. Costs for everything could go up. Not exactly a recipe for a happy populace, especially many of whom still dealing with a pandemic. This is probably the single biggest global economic story that is happening right now. And these days, <laughs> that's saying something. Random, but interesting. Something to watch. All right, let's stay down on the Nat Gas story and find out how pros are trading it and where some opportunity around it may be. Maybe you can help us pay for these higher bills that are coming. John Najarian is co-founder of Market Rebellion, CNBC contributor. Uh, John, before we get to some of your individual names, what's your take on this on this European Nat Gas story? Am I making too much of it? No, um, just the opposite even. Uh, by calling attention to it, um, a lot of folks that are unaware of how much more they're paying in Europe for Nat Gas, and this is, of course, before it gets real cold, Brian, um, are going to be shocked because uh, you're talking about the electrical side and then you touched on the heating side. If they have a cold winter, it's really going to be tough. And demand is exactly, as you said, through the roof which is why we're seeing so many of these nat gas stocks just pump to the upside throughout the last month. Yeah, let's talk about them overall. And I want to start not with an equity, but with, and this is, I want to be clear to our audience, this is one of these leveraged ETFs. So you can make a lot of money quickly. You can lose a lot of money quickly. Be careful with Boyle. Yep, Boyle is a 2x so it's leveraged 200% um, to natural gas. Now, yesterday it was up like 14%, Brian, uh, which of course means, since you can do the math, that natural gas was up about 7% yesterday. And this one has been hot, 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 um, running from about $48 to $77 or something like that, Brian, just in the last month. And you named one of the reasons here domestically, Hurricane Ida, that shut down a lot of facilities uh, that are coming back online, thankfully. But um, there's definitely a lot more volume in this one and certainly a lot of volatility in BOIL, Boyle, yep. uh, right now. Yeah, blasting through the last two very quickly, cabin oil and gas. I'm not sure there's been a hotter energy stock than this one, John. And they're buying options now. Yeah, right. Cabot and EQT both. Uh, they're just coming for both of these two stocks. Uh, they're up anywhere from 21 to 27 percent in the last month, Brian. And they continue to buy higher and yeah. higher and higher out of the money calls. And that's something that we pay attention to. So watch for those two stocks to continue on their march higher. Yeah, we don't have time to dive into it. My apologies, John. Sincerely, I know it's early. Danimer Scientific, no DNMR, and under the radar, Bioplastics Play. Uh, John, we, we love you. Thanks for bringing the names. By the way, John... I'm going to see you in a couple days in person in Vegas at the Market Rebellion Conference. I can't wait, yeah. my friend. See you out west. See you out west, Brian. Thank you.
All right, take care, John. Thank you. That is it for Wex today. By the way, I am off the show the rest of the week. Daddy needs to sleep a little bit, but I'll see you in a Delivering Alpha panel tomorrow afternoon. Tune in live to Delivering Alpha all day tomorrow, and maybe we'll see you live and in person in Vegas this weekend at that Market Rebellion conference. See you then, and I'll see you back here next Monday. Have an awesome day. Squawk Box is next. NASDAQ futures a big move down. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.